Welcome to the Subject Composition and Light Photography Podcast. Show notes, links and contact details can be found at robnunphoto.com. That's www.robnunphoto.com. SCL is a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network and loads of other great tech podcasts can be found over at www.techpodcast.com. Now on with the show. Hi everybody, welcome to episode 224 of SEL, the Subject Composition and Light Photography Podcast. My name's Rob from RobLandPhoto.com and this is my little audio diary about my journey through the wonderful world of photography. Well, SEL's kind of slipping into a bit of a monthly podcast at the moment. Apologies, it's just been really busy um, at home and at work, but luckily I have been taking Quite a few photographs, I've been rolling along that way if you've been keeping an eye on the Flickr photo stream. Recording a few things for YouTube as well, if you keep an eye on the YouTube channel. Um, so, thanks for sticking with us, and thanks for uh, downloading and listening to the podcast. So, what have I been up to? Well, in Gosport at the moment, we're lucky enough to have the Wildlife Photography of the Year exhibition down in the high street. Um... If you do a quick Google for Wildlife Photography of the Year, or if you visit robnanphoto.com and check out the show notes for episode 224, I'll put a link in there. Um, but essentially, it's put together by, I think it's the BBC and the one of the big museums in London. And it's just, it's a big competition, obviously, they run every year. And the exhibition, uh, I think it probably wanders around the country, but it's a superb collection of probably about 50 images, I would have thought. Not a massive uh, exhibition, but but uh, really, really good. Of everything from environmental um, wildlife shots to penguins jumping out of the ice to sharks being slaughtered for their fins. You know, all sorts of great stuff. We've got black and white, we've got colour, we've got artistic, we've got documentary well worth looking at if you're in the area I wouldn't travel a great distance to to come and have a look at the exhibition because it's quite small but if you're in Hampshire in the UK then it's worth having a look at otherwise just visit the website uh, for the wildlife photography and just check out the image very inspirational really because it kind of shows you what you can do if you push yourself far enough if you come up with the right ideas and put yourself in the right situations and not necessarily in front of fantastic subjects you know okay so the widow may well have been uh, a shot of uh, some penguins whizzing along underneath the ice about to jump out you know a marvelous photograph but there's also some really beautiful photo black and white studies that were taken in the UK of animals in the distance in the cornfields one of my particular favorites a guy took in his kitchen using flash of a mouse nibbling away I think it was either on something on his cooker or a sandwich, you know, this mouse kept coming back, so he saw saw an opportunity to do it, and how maybe I know that one of my projects for next year is going to be the wildlife of Gosport, probably Gosport and Fareham as well, because there is so much wildlife in our back gardens, um, and, uh, you know, right under our noses. I know in Gosport, for example, we have, um, in fact, there was a program on TV about it the other day, we have badgers, we have deer, we have lots of foxes, 
um, lots of insects, butterflies, we've got the sea right next to us as well. So, you know, there's all sorts of stuff out there that if we just look hard enough and go to places at the right time of day, chances are we might see it. So check it out, Wildlife Photographer of the Year. Very, very um, inspirational. We've actually also finally got a big TV for our uh, dining group. So we've got a big TV as a family. Traditionally, well, what we've always had in the past are old CRTs, apart from in Oliver's room where he's got a nice 32-inch HD TV that he plays his Xbox 360 on. All the other televisions are little CRTs, you know, probably at least 10 to 15 years old with a little Freeview digital box on the top. Um, I was never really into big TVs. I always thought they were a bit fuzzy, you know. Um, but Suzanne was pretty adamant on getting one. And... Um, I was like, I don't really want to. She was like, come on, we haven't been on a holiday this year. Uh, we haven't gone away anywhere special. Let's just spend a little bit of money and get a TV. So, rather begrudgingly, we went to Asda um, on a Sunday afternoon. And they had loads of TVs there to look at, but none of them were on. And then we asked one of the sales assistants, you know, any chance of turning them on so we could check them out? And they're like, oh no, we're far too busy. I was like, oh, great, okay. So I was on my phone trying to track down reviews for these different TVs. In the end, we kind of decided we'd go with the cheapest 40-inch one, which which was a Polaroid branded one. I know Polaroid don't make really make televisions, but there we go. Um, and we asked this this lady who worked there, and she kind of stumped off in a huff. Uh, we asked her if they had any left, and she stumped off. Um, and then about 10 minutes later, she came back dragging this big television box across the shop floor, bouncing it along. And she said, there you go, there's your TV. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. You know... There's no way I'm having that one. You've just dragged it across the floor and you've been bouncing it all the way. That's a delicate piece of electronic equipment. There's no way we're having that one. Bear in mind, okay, we were probably buying the cheapest 14-inch TV that, that, that there was, but it was, I think it was £290. I had a a uh, upscaling DVD player in my hand as well, which was another 30 or £40, and a couple of DVDs and some pizzas as well. So, you know, we were probably spending about 360 370 quid with them, which might not be a massive amount of money. The big in the scheme of things but it's a lot of money to me and our fa and my family so I was a bit hacked off so we went down to the customer service section to kind of complain and say look all we really want to buy is one of these TVs but we don't want one that's been dragged and bounced across the shop floor so we waited waited about 10 minutes nothing happened nobody was coming you know they kept saying oh we're sorry somebody's on the way somebody's on the way so after about 10 minutes they said, right, that's it I've had enough let's go and give our money to Curry's or Amazon or somebody else so we went out and Suzanne said, well, look, why don't we go to the other Asda, which is down in, uh, in Gosport, because they've probably got one. You go in, get it, and go home. So I kind of said, all right then, fair enough. So we went down. Lo and behold, at the other Asda, they had one of these TVs, so we loaded it in the box into the trolley, got the DVD player and a HDMI lead, went up to the counter with some pizzas and a couple of DVDs as well. Bear in mind that the DVD player is £290. She scans everything through and then says, uh, that's £220, please. And I was like, woo. <laughs> Oliver was about to say something. I said, shh, don't say anything. So so we kind of, I kind of, I was thinking, is this the right TV? For, I was kind of looking at it, right, it's 40 inch. So why is it so much cheaper? I didn't say anything to the girl, though. I just said, does it have any security tags on? Because I was worried that as we were going to go out of the... Uh, of the store, we were going to get stopped and someone was going to say, well, this receipt says you've got a 32-inch TV and that's a 40-inch TV. But in the event, what it was, was the TV we actually got that they had on the shelf wasn't the £290 one, it was the model before, which is identical specifications, but had previously been put down to £180 
about two months before by ASDA to clear them out ready for these new ones. So I did a bit of uh, investigating on the uh, on the internet and found out, you know, people saying, yeah, look, there's this amazing deal at ASDA where you can get a 40-inch TV, you know, with a year's guarantee for um, for 100, 180 pounds. So, but they were all gone like months ago. So all I can think is this was just like a box that was left. So thanks to the the grumpy woman at ASDA in Newgate Lane in Fairham, we managed to go to the ASDA in Gosport and get a 40-inch HD TV for 180 quid. So as you can imagine, I was well chuffed. <laughs> all of a sudden, I love this TV, and we plugged into the put the DVD player on it. I put on Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. You know the trench run with Luke. Use the Force, Luke. Let go. All that sort of stuff. Really brilliant, fantastic. All we need to get now is a a Blu-ray player so we can watch it with proper HD and um, some speakers or maybe a, a surround sound system or something. Um, but the thing that I really like about it as well is, well, two of the things. I've connected the Wii <laughs> and I've hacked the Wii so we can watch video through the Wii um, so we can watch um, different stuff. I've put the Homebrew channel on the Wii as well so uh, you get there's a YouTube app anyway for, for the Wii but um, you can download download others, so that's cool. But also, it's got a USB uh, connector on the back, and you can look at your photos. And I'm actually going to be uploading a video to YouTube over the next couple of days with a review of the television and kind of just talking about how wonderful it is to be able to look at your images on a big screen. You know, to share them. You know, it's nice like that. But also to edit them. You know, one of the the simplest ways you can become a better photographer isn't by changing your camera, isn't by learning how to um, uh, have better technique, it's just sharing your better photographs, you know, only share your best. And by looking at a lot of your photographs on the big screen, you can kind of move away from that emotional entanglement that we have with our photographs, you know, all that stuff about maybe this photograph was difficult to achieve, uh, maybe it's a picture of someone who means a lot to you, or an object that means a lot to you, and be a lot more dispassionate about them, so we can truly choose the best photos to share. So, so it was great, great for that. One thing, however, <laughs> that I kind of that it did bring up was um, we went out looking. I think I can't remember why, but we went to Curry's and afterwards look. I think we were looking for oh laptops because I'm thinking about getting a laptop for Christmas because my old laptop, well my laptop is Oliver's old laptop and it's on its last legs. It keeps overheating and turning itself off. I've had the back off and cleaned it all up. Um, but if I'm rendering a video, probably half the time it'll actually turn itself off while we're doing it which is a little bit of a pain but anyway so we I've never really had a good look at um, uh, blu-ray players you know proper HD and they had a in Curry's they had a TV set up with a blu-ray player and they were playing a bit of that oblivion the Tom Cruise Morgan Freeman film and in it you know the scene you could see every single hair on Morgan Freeman's head you know you could see every piece of stubble on Tom Cruise's face and to be honest, I don't know if I really liked it that much, because it made it look almost like the set that they were that they were that was being filmed on didn't look realistic. All of a sudden, it was so clear, it almost looked like a TV um, episode of Doctor Who, you know. Because you, you know, with TV video, sometimes you get you get that crisps crispness, don't you? Whereas with a movie, you you kind of get that little bit of you get that blurring. And so I don't know whether I really liked it that much. Suzanne loved it. She thought, oh, fantastic, we've got to get a Blu-ray player for Christmas as well. And this kind of spilled over into, um, I got um, another big print done. Photobox in the UK, if, you, if you're in 
uh, the UK sign up for Photobox and every now and again they send out offers and one of the offers I like is they do a 30 by 20 inch print for 6.99 I think it is I think it for, for less than a tenner you get you get a, a 30 by 20 poster posted to you and I've done one already which is of one of my sunset shots but to be honest I, I wasn't that impressed because I was in such a rush to do it that I didn't resize my image and this was taken with my 350D my Canon which as you know is it's a 7 megapixel camera and so I, I, I uploaded it and at the time they said you know this quality isn't really good enough for a 30 by 20 but I did it anyway and when I get it back it looks alright when you look at it from a distance but it's a bit blotchy but they sent out another offer and I thought right, I want to do one this time that's a portrait of Oliver but what I did was I went into Photoshop and resized it to 30 by 20 inches at I don't know 300 dpi or something like that and so it was a massive file a massive jpeg I think it was um, it was pretty huge I can't remember the exact settings but I know I changed it to 30 it might have been 30 by 20 at 72 dpi so it wasn't really really high res but but it but they then said all oh, this is good now tell you what I and I converted it to black and white it's a black and white headshot but like a like a Peter Hurley type shot but in black and white I got it back and it was amazing I tell you what if I ever thought that 7 megapixels on my you know, donkey's old 350D wasn't good enough I tell you, it really is you know, that 7 megapixel camera with 30 by 20 print that has been cropped as well from the original you know, it wasn't the full bleed um, I, I mean, all I can say is Photoshop must do a very, very good job of up-sampling the image because you look at that, you know, for for quite close up and it's it's not pixelated, it's not blurry. You could kind of relate it back to the Blu-ray problem of, you know, Morgan Freeman's hair and Tom Cruise's chin. You could see every single, like, pimple, a little hair on Oliver's face. And in fact, it almost dis distracted from the, from the portrait because... Because I knew it was going to probably go up on the wall, I did a little bit of retouching on it. You know, got rid of a few few spots, but I didn't get all of them. But I tell you what, you know, never be worried if you've got a sharp a sharpish. Well, I don't even know. I'm not even going to say it. If you've got a photo from your camera and you want to blow it up big and, and do it, get a big 30 by 20 print done or a poster or a canvas, just do it. Just make sure you upsample it using something like Photoshop, Photoshop Elements or the GIMP or Aperture or Lightroom, whatever. Because if my 350D at 7 megapixels can produce a really nice image, you know, I bet, I bet most of the people who listen to this podcast have got camera phones with more megapixels than my camera and they came out, um, came out beautiful. So there we go, little little tip from there. So go for it. And I'm in love with 30 by 20 poster prints. You know, they're so big, they look great. The downside is frames can be quite expensive to buy from them for them. But um, who cares? You know, I'll find cheap frames at, 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 at um, discount stores or from the car boot sale. Talking of car boot sales, <laughs> um, as you know, I get all my film cameras from car boot sales. This is just, this is a <laughs> bit of a funny uh, transition. But anyway, if you go on rubnonphoto.com or the, uh, look at the YouTube links on the right hand side, that will take you to the YouTube channel. I actually done a really long video about developing your own 35mm black and white film. It goes on for almost an hour. And what I did was, I, I right from the beginning of really shooting with the camera, well, choosing which what type of camera to shoot, um, and then everything from taking the um, negative 
sorry, taking the film out of the cartridge in the dark room to putting the chemicals in it, and the final bit of it is me pulling uh, the negatives out of the Patterson tank to show you they've been developed. It's all there. So if you're ever thinking, is it difficult or complicated to develop your own black and white film? The answer is no. Um, and if you want to see how it's done by a real amateur, <laughs> have a look at that, that YouTube video because I'm quite proud of the fact that I managed to technically do it because, again, with my old laptop, I <laughs> had to wait for a cool day to to render it because being an hour long, you know, the, if it had been a warm day, the, the, the laptop would have kept kept uh, turning itself off. So anyway, it's, um, it's all there. Um, and also talking of car boots, I've just come back from Asda with some prints from a wonderful little camera that I bought from the car boot sale. Uh, was it last Sunday? I think it might have been. A Zorki 4K rangefinder. Now, if you know, you'll be going, ooh, one of them. If you don't, you'll be going, ooh, what's that? So, what is a Zorki 4K? Well, a Zorki 4K is a Russian-made uh, rangefinder camera, 35mm, made in the 70s, in the USSR, in fact it says made in the USSR, so it's a communist camera. Um, and what happened was after the Second World War, a lot of the, the equipment was taken by the Russians from Germany to back to Russia so they could open up their own factories. And th what they did was they took the Leica 3C, or the Leica 3 design, and then developed themselves. So you could say the Zorki 4 is uh, is a development, a variation on the Leica 3. Obviously, the build quality is nowhere near as good. Um, but, but And the idea with the rangefinder camera is, when you look through the viewfinder, there's a little bit in the middle that um, is coupled to a second viewfinder. And so, to focus it, you turn your focus ring as you would on any, any manual focus camera. But then you get like two images in the middle of, of your viewfinder that you then just have to make them overlap each other so it's a very simple way of focusing and it and it takes away the need to be able to see that something's in focus you know like with an SLR if your eyes aren't very good you know you can't always tell if something's in focus or not but with a rangefinder because it's just two images overlapping your eyes could be as blurred as anything but you can still tell whether two things are overlapping or not so that can be quite easy to do um, so anyway, the story behind it was I actually saw it two weeks ago at the car boot sale and the guy was selling quite a few different cameras and I saw it and I thought, hmm, that's alright. I said, how much? He said, £20. Now, £20 is quite a lot for me. That's, you know, £10 more than I would normally ever spend on a um, on a camera at the car boot. So I didn't buy it then. And then I went home and did a bit of research and found they tend to go for about £50, £60 pounds on eBay with the, with the lens and uh, did a bit more research and they said well you know lots of them are faulty but you know they're, they're fascinating cameras to to shoot with and you know being a copy of a Leica I know it's not about the camera but you know you've got I like to try all different types of cameras and I'm probably never going to get to shoot with a true Leica you know I, I well saying that I did shoot with the Z2X didn't I which was that um, 35mm compact Leica uh, that I got from the car boot a couple of years ago um, but I think that was probably made, that was that would have been made by someone like Panasonic in Japan. But you know, plus a piece of history. You know, it's a 1970s camera. So anyway, when we went back to the car boot on Sunday, the guy was still there, wasn't he? And he still had it. And I said, "Look, does it work?" And he said, "Yes, it still works." So I went, "Woohoo!" And I gave him his 20 quid. And I've been shooting with it all week. I've already put a roll of black and white through it, and I've just finished a roll of colour. And so I zipped up to ASDA to use their hour processing to see if the photographs had come out because. 
Although everything seems to work okay, you know, I don't really know if the rangefinder mechanism that couples the focusing to the viewfinder works properly. I don't really know if, the sh apart from listening to it, whether the shutter is, is operating at different speeds. And although, um, again, it's a fully manual camera, so there's no light meter, so what I had to do was I got one of my old light meters, I think it's a Leningrad one, hey, <laughs> to go with the Russian Zorky. And I kind of calibrated it with my DSLR, because when I did, took some readings from it, it seemed to be a couple of stops out. You know, so I would, you know, if I put the readings from my light meter into my SLR, it would be too much, too much too dark. So I did it the other way, and discovered that in fact, if I put the, um, it has like a, a little plastic cover on the light meter that you put over it, which normally I think you use for um, if you're doing incident light meetings, incident light meter readings rather than reflective. If I put that off over, it seemed to make. Um, uh, take account for the fact that the light meter is very old and the selenium cells probably had it. Um, so I was worried, you know, was my light read meter reading properly as well? But again, I took the film up to... And also, I tell you what, as I was shooting with it today, finishing off that roll of colour film, when I got to um, the last bit of it, and I was down by the ferry, and I wound it on, I could swear I could hear the film rip inside the camera. And I thought, oh no... Because obviously if the film's ripped at the end of the roll, I would then have to take it out of the bag inside a dark bag and try and tape it up and roll it back in. So I was like, oh. But I went back to the car and rewound it and luckily, luckily it hadn't. Um, so I went up to Asda, dropped it off, did it an hour, went back a couple of hours later. And I'm pleased to say, he says, looking at the prints in his hand now, that um, they are surprisingly good. There is absolutely... Well, there's one thing wrong with the photographs, which I'll tell you about. They're all... All the ones where I was using a reasonable shutter speed are nice and sharp. Um, the colours seem nice. The exposure seems pretty much bang on. Maybe it's a tad overexposed, but not much. Um, the only thing that I have noticed, and this might not be the camera, it might be just me, is that I have a t there's a tendency for there to be more of the photograph on the right. It's almost as if, as I'm looking through the viewfinder, what I'm seeing isn't really what the lens is seeing. The lens is sort of seeing a little bit more over to the right. Now, that could be the way that I'm looking through the viewfinder, because I know on my DSLR, I have a tendency to put too much space at the top of the photos. Um, so I'm going to have to watch that and and uh, and see. You know, for example, I've got a, there's a photograph where there was a post in it, and I was I thought when I was lining that up, I, I put the post in the middle, but it's slightly over to the left. Um, I, I mean, you tend to get problems with viewfinder cameras anyway, especially these old ones, because with these ones there's no parallax correction. You know, for, for as th things get closer or further away from the camera, you know, the, the cropping would change, wouldn't it? Um, because the viewfinder is isn't pointing in the same direction as the as the lens. But overall, I'm very happy indeed, and it fills me with confidence to crack on and take a lot more photos with it because. It is a nice camera to use. You know, the fact that it has these idiosyncrasies. Did I say that right? But like, for example, you must not, must not change the shutter speed before you cock the shutter. Otherwise, you can break it. And you can kind of see how mechanical cameras work. Because as you're turning the shutter, the, rolling the shutter on, you know, with the, with the lever... The, the dial that sets the shutter speed is spinning round and so it's obviously winding the spring up which then fires the shutter. Also, if you don't wind it on all the way, you get double exposures as well, but you double get double exposures at the slower shutter speed. So it's like a fan and it's a real lump of metal this thing. Um it's got a fifty mil 
f2 lens on seems nice um, yeah I can't wait to develop the black and white film that I've already taken and I'm going to shoot some more black and white once I've put those three rolls of film through it and put it through its paces then I'll do a, uh, a video review for YouTube get it up there so you can see the test images see the camera I'll talk about how you shoot with it um, but if you do see one of these babies lying around you know by all means grab it and, and pick it up because <sighs> shooting with a camera that is more difficult to use makes you a bit I think it makes you a better photographer because it slows you down blood you know you might be thinking oh boring boring but it does it slows you down it makes you look at the scene better uh, more it makes you think about exposure and I tell you what when you go back to using your DSLR after using one of these old manual film cameras you don't half appreciate it you know and I think you then make a lot more of the digital side of things you make more of the fact that you can shoot as many images as you want you know because you've kind of been restricted by the film camera that you go back into digital and all of a sudden it's almost like you, you've come across digital again and you fall in love with it again with all the advantage it may not have the look or the aesthetic and and the feel of shooting a film camera but I definitely think that one complements the other not that you know the film camera is just there as a practice aid for the film SLR because it isn't and I was thinking about this in the car actually driving back from Asda I think you could probably say that some of my probably most favorite artistic images have probably come from shooting with a film camera and also some of my favorite family pictures have taken with the film camera because where I've, ha I've been testing out like the trip 35 or the stylus epic or some other camera like down the allotment or something and I've had it with me where I wouldn't have had my SLR with me and maybe it was a bit muddy and dirty dusty so I didn't want to get my phone out and get that dirty so you know so uh, yeah really good uh, enjoying the Zorky 4k uh, if you see a Zorky 4, what the difference is, I think the Zorky 4 doesn't have a wind lever and also the uh, the take-up support tends to fall out the bottom of them when you take the cassette off. So if you see a 4K, go for that. But they're not that expensive on YouTube, on, on YouTube, on eBay. And um, yeah, I'm really enjoying enjoying sh shooting with it. Look forward to seeing the, uh, the YouTube video over the next month or so. Now, the final thing I'll talk about today, because it's rolling up to 5 o'clock here and I've, uh, I'm cooking tea tonight for when Suzanne gets in from work, is just think about we're rolling into the last quarter of the year now. It's officially autumn in the UK. I guess that means it's officially spring in the southern hemisphere. So if you've been doing some projects for 2013, now's the time to see how far you've got, how far have you get, got on. Um, I've been, I think I've done pretty well this year. I've been out and taken lots of photographs. I've been quite active in going out, uh, say, at lunchtime when I'm at work or shooting before work. You know, whenever I go to another store that's in another place, I make sure I get there sort of half an hour earlier so I can wander around and take some photographs. Um, I've had lists of projects this year, you know, like Gos Gosport, Portsmouth, Fairham. Um, and um, I've really kind of driven content for YouTube and the website I th you know through buying cameras cheap cameras from the car boot sale and reviewing them on YouTube and then getting kit from manufacturers as well so just start thinking about that now start thinking about you know the years starting to wind down the nights in the northern hemisphere here are closing in the days are getting shorter so if there's things you need to get done you know get out there and, and get shooting get those things finished um, and uh, maybe even start thinking about what your projects for 2014 are going to be all about well, that's it for me for this 
this week or even this month. Um, thanks to Everyday Jones who do the intro and outro music. Thanks to everybody who comments on RobNoFoto.com. Thanks for everybody who takes part in the Flickr group. If you're not part of it, why not? It's free. Head on over there, join, put your photos in the group, take part. I know this month's, the last month's assignment has been a bit naff. Not many people have had a go at it, including me. And um, we'll have some better ones for. Um, we'll have a better one for the autumn. Um, but most of all, I'd like to thank you for listening and downloading the podcast. Um, my name's Rob from RobNoFoto.com, and hopefully pretty soon I'll see you on Flickr.